Greetings, friends and brethren in the Lord. Welcome to Voice in the Wilderness. I'm Don Noble of Pure Heart Ministries, and I welcome you today with exceedingly, exceedingly great joy. We have been talking about, for the last five weeks, a topic I titled, A Fresh Fear of the Lord. Today, I'm going to conclude this entire series, and our focus has been on Philippians 4.8. But let's pray. Father, I thank you for your incredible word that is alive, powerful, sharper than a two-edged sword. I thank you, Father, for what Paul wrote to the church at Philippi, these incredible um, concepts that he asked us to meditate on. Lord, I ask that you would encourage us, encourage these listeners today of this message to think about those things that are true and noble and just and pure and lovely and of a good report. Father, bless each one and help us, Lord, to keep our mind pure and clear and clean in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. So let's first talk about the definition of pure. What does pure mean? Literally, in the set of scriptures, or at least in the New Testament that we're talking about, the word pure literally means tested by sunlight. And the thought is that of judging something by sunlight to expose any flaws. So think about that for a minute. If you've ever had to clean your house on a very dark, rainy day, you will probably miss a lot of little corners and a lot of little spots that you couldn't see. But if you try to clean your house on a sunny day, I guarantee you, you will see things that you, you will see cobwebs that you didn't know were there. So that's what happens. Sunlight exposes things. It exposes things that we cannot see that are hidden. The word pure described metals that had alloys and liquids unadulterated with foreign substances. So you think about silver, silver coins. And it seems like um, there was a time when, and I think they still still do this. I'm not real knowledgeable about that, but uh, they used to make pure silver coins. Now I think they add some kind of metal in there. So they're not as quite as valuable um, because they're not pure silver. If they're pure, that means nothing's been mixed or added to that particular metal. And in the New Testament, it is used in an ethical and moral sense, free from falsehood and without hidden motives. And that's a key uh, phrase right there, without hidden motives. So we know something is pure when it doesn't have hidden motives. Let's look at 2 Peter 3, verses 1 through 4, and we're I'm reading from the New King James Version today, primarily. Peter writes, Beloved, I now write to you this second epistle, in both of which I stir up your pure minds by way of reminder that you may be mindful of the words which were spoken before by the holy prophets and of the commandment of us, the apostles of the Lord and Savior, knowing this first, that scoffers will come in the last days, walking according to their own lusts, and saying, Where is the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of creation." 
Peter is just encouraging us that he's going to, in the writings that he's providing in the scriptures, he's going to stir up our pure minds. In fact, he even says, you know, he so graciously says that we have a pure mind. In other words, we have our thoughts. We don't have hidden motives. We are pure from defilement. And we're walking in a moral and an ethical purity, which is so hard to find in today's culture. Jesus quotes in Matthew 5, when he's on the mount and he's talking to the his disciples and of course we know this as the sermon on the mount and jesus um says you know i'm just gonna uh, verse eight chapter five of matthew verse eight blessed are the pure in heart i'm not going to go over all of the uh, beatitudes but i'm just singling out this one Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. And what is Jesus saying there? He's saying the one who has a heart without hidden motives, the heart that is keeping itself from being defiled. It's a heart that has ethical purity. Now, we know that we are human and no one is perfect. But we strive to walk in this place where we don't walk in defilement or uh, unethical ways and unethical standards that we try to keep our heart pure. We don't have hidden motives. Uh, let's look at 1 Timothy 1.5. And Timothy writes... Now, the purpose of the commandment is love from a pure heart, from a good conscience, and from sincere faith. And I'm just going to back up a few scriptures and read there in 1 Timothy 1, starting with verse 3. Timothy, Tim, excuse me, um, Paul writes to Timothy, says, As I urged you when I went into Macedonia... Remain in Ephesus that you may charge some that they teach no other doctrine nor give heed to fables and endless genealogies which cause disputes rather than godly edification, edification which is in faith. Now the purpose of the commandment is love from a pure heart, from a good conscience, and from sincere faith. I like that. The purpose of the commandment is love from a pure heart. I don't know that you could really have love without a pure heart, to be honest. I don't know how, how you would do that. Um, but you see what he says there. He says, from a good conscience. When your conscience is clear, typically your heart is pure. You're not walking in defilement. You're not walking in unethical ways with hidden motives when you have a clear, clean conscience conscience let's look at um first timothy 3 verse 9 again paul writing he says uh 
talking about deacons. He's talking about the qualification of deacons. In verse 8, he says, Likewise, deacons must be reverent, not double-tongued, not given to much wine, not greedy for money, holding the mystery of the faith with a pure conscience. With a pure conscience. Conscience. So, to be a deacon in the church is an individual that can that can uh, walk with a pure conscience, a conscience that is undefiled, that is walking in moral and ethical purity. Let's look at Second Timothy, chapter one, verse three. And Paul writes to Timothy, he says, I thank God whom I serve with a pure conscience as my forefathers did, as without ceasing, I remember you in my prayers night and day. So we see that Paul admonishes Timothy to have a pure conscience. And then Paul tells, tells Timothy, hey, I have a pure conscience. I serve God with a pure conscience. I serve God with moral and ethical standards. I keep myself from being defiled with the things of the world. Second Timothy 2, chapter 2, verse 22. Paul says, flee also youthful lusts, but pursue righteousness, faith, love, peace with those who call on the Lord out of a pure heart. We, we see a pattern here. Jesus said, blessed are those who are pure in heart. They shall see God. And we keep seeing about a pure heart. Paul's writing about a pure heart, calling on the Lord out of a pure heart. So this is this is somebody that really, uh, when you're walking with a pure heart, you're really walking in righteousness. You don't want to walk with a sinful attitude or sinful thoughts. Let's look at James chapter 1, verse 27. And James writes, Well, let's look at 26. He says, if anyone among you thinks he is religious and does not bridle his his tongue, but deceives his own heart, this one's religion is useless. Pure and undefiled religion before God and the Father is this. To keep, excuse me, to visit orphans and widows in their trouble and to keep oneself unspotted from the world. So we have a definition of pure and undefiled religion. And that is to visit orphans and widows in their trouble and to keep oneself unspotted from the world. You know, I just want to say right there, obviously we live in this world. We're going to engage people of all sorts in this world. It doesn't mean Then we go live in a hut somewhere, totally isolated in the wilderness and never come in contact with people. No, we live in this world, but we are not of this world. And while we live in this world, 
This is what we must do. Keep ourselves unspotted from the world. Keep ourselves pure. Let's look at Revelation 15, 16. And John is writing. And he says, uh, I think I got that revelation. I must have written that down wrong. Because there is no Revelation 15, 16. Uh, <laughs> let's look at um, Revelation 21, 18. Talking about the um, New Jerusalem says uh, in verse 18 the construction of its wall was of jasper and the city was pure gold like clear glass can you imagine what that will be like to see <laughs> to see this city of pure gold it won't be mixed with any alloys I assure you Revelation 22 verse 1 and he showed me John's writing and he showed me a pure river of water of life clear as crystal proceeding from the throne of God and of the Lamb I think you can get that picture in your mind of seeing what that must look like a pure river river a crystal clear river now where we live here you know I can look out the window here from the station and I can see the Ohio River and it has never been clear it is muddy and it is murky looking all the time from the time I was a child and here we are you know some 60 years later and that thing is not one bit clear you could never see the bottom of the Ohio River but one day we're going to see the river of God and it's going to be crystal clear. It's going to be pure, right? Pure. Okay, so when we think of things that are pure, that's what we're thinking. Let's look at whatsoever is lovely. We're going to turn over to Proverbs 31. And the writer of Proverbs, Solomon, he didn't write all the Proverbs. You might think that. He wrote the majority of the Proverbs, but he didn't write all of the Proverbs. And this particular Proverb, 31, is written by King Lemuel's. These are the words of King Lemuel's mother. And many of you have probably heard of the Proverbs 31 woman. Well, when we think of things that are lovely, we think about a woman, a godly woman. And it starts in Proverbs 31, uh, verse 10. Who can find a virtuous wife? For her worth is far above ruby, rubies. The heart of her husband safely trusts her. See, this is a, this is a lovely woman of God. The heart of her husband safely trusts her, so he will have no lack of gain. She does him good 
and not evil all the days of her life. She seeks wool and flax and willingly works with her hands. She is like the merchant ships. She brings her food from afar. She also rises while it is yet night and provides food for her household and a portion for her maidservants. She considers a field and buys it. From her profits, she plants a vineyard. She girds herself with strength and strengthens her arms. She perceives that her merchandise is good and her lamp does not go out by night. She stretches out her hands to the distaff and her hand holds the spindle. She extends her hands to the poor. Yes, she reaches out her hands to the needy. I'm just going to kind of skip down to the end here. Her children rise up and call her blessed, her husband also, and he praises her. Many daughters have done well, he says, but you excel them all. Charm is deceitful and beauty is passing, but a woman who fears the Lord, she shall be praised. Give her of the fruit of her hands and let her own works praise her in the gates. That's a beautiful picture of a lovely, godly woman. Next, let's talk about a good report. Are there scriptures that talk about a good report? Or when we read the story, we know that somebody's receiving a good report. Well, this is pretty easy because in the book of Matthew, the angel comes to greet Mary. I'm sorry, I'm going to read out of Luke. Hang on a second. Luke chapter 1. And we'll get it here. Okay, Luke chapter 1, verses 26 through 33. It says, Now in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin, betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. And having come in, the angel said to her, Rejoice, highly favored one, the Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. But when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying, and considered what manner of greeting this was. Then the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, You will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the son of the highest. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom, there will be no end. That is a good report. Mary just gets visited by an angel to give her the most incredible news. Really, really good news. She is going to bring forth God's son, Jesus. Now, just a few scriptures later, the Lord is sending Mary to go visit Elizabeth. And the... um, 
angel tells Mary that Elizabeth has also conceived a son in her old age and is in the sixth month of her pregnancy. So verse 39 of Luke chapter 1, Now Mary arose in those days and went into the hill country with haste to a city of Judah and entered the house of Zacharias and greeted Elizabeth. And it happened when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary that the babe leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. Then she spoke out with a loud voice and said, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. But why is this granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For indeed, as soon as the voice of your greeting sounded in my ears, the babe leaped in my womb for joy. Blessed is she who believed, for there will be a fulfillment of those things which were told her from the Lord. So Elizabeth gets a pretty great report herself. Mary comes in to the house, greets her, and Elizabeth immediately gets filled with the Holy Spirit. And not only does she get filled with the Holy Spirit, her baby leaps in the womb for joy at the sound of Mary's voice. That's a good report. <laughs> that's, that's a good report. Okay, back to Philippians 4.8. Whatsoever things are of a good report, if there is any virtue, what is virtue? What does virtue mean? It means behavior showing high moral standards. It means morally good character. It means conformity of one's life and conduct to moral and ethical principles. So if there is any virtue, we know that as we read the scriptures, there are many individuals who walked with morally good character. Paul certainly was one. Peter was certainly one. James, the writers of these epistles in the uh, New Testament. And if there is any praiseworthy. Well, I love this psalm because it, it just says so much. It is the last psalm of the book of Psalms. It's Psalm 150. Now, if you want to talk about anything that's praiseworthy, take a moment and read Psalm 150 which says, praise the Lord, praise God in his sanctuary, praise him in his mighty firmament, praise him for his mighty acts, praise him according to his excellent greatness, praise him with the sound of the trumpet, praise him with the lute and harp, praise him with the timbrel and dance, praise him with stringed instruments and flutes, Praise him with loud symbols. Praise him with clashing symbols. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Now, this Hebrew word for praise is the word halal. And it means to shine, to boast, to rave, and to celebrate clamorously. And, you know, it may seem to some people rather extreme, but that's what the Lord is. That's what this is saying. It's saying uh, boast of the Lord. Rave about him in the sanctuary. And this exuberance 
is to be manifest by a radical measure. We're supposed to dance. It says, praise him with the dance. Praise him with the trumpet. Praise him with the harp. Praise him with stringed instruments. In fact, praise him with loud symbols and not just loud symbols. Clashing symbols, it says. So we're going, you know, we're on a quite a spectrum here of the kind of joy and thanksgiving and uh, praise that we are uttering toward our God in Christ. This is extreme praise, but this is nonetheless the praise that our Lord and Savior absolutely deserves because of his triumph on the cross, because of his resurrection from the dead, because he's coming back again. (laughs) He is the God among gods. So our praise of him should be more outstanding than that given to any other God or person or anyone. He deserves all of that. So if there is anything praiseworthy, and of course there is, Jesus is praiseworthy. He's worthy of every bit of thanksgiving and praise that we can bring out from our spirit and out of our mouth. Shout to the Lord, you know, raise your hands, lift your hands up in victory and triumph and give him the praise. Paul is saying to us, look, guys and girls, meditate on these things. Take a moment to think about what things are true, what things are noble, what things are just, what things are pure, what things are lovely. What things are of a good report? What things are of any virtue? Anything of praise worthy? Meditate and chew on those things. Because our focus is heavenward. We are pressing for the prize of the call of God. Our focus is having the mind of Christ and reaching forward to those things that are ahead. Our focus isn't on the past. That's where the enemy wants us to dwell. He wants us to ruminate and think about the past and all the mistakes we have made and all the wrong decisions we have made and all the wrong words we have said and all the wrong things we have done. Forget it, Paul says, forgetting the past, forgetting the things that are behind and pressing on to the things that are ahead of us. And that's our focus. And that's where we must be. We need a fresh fear of the Lord. I guarantee you that if you spend time meditating on these things, you will have a fresh fear of the Lord. You will have a fresh reverence and awe of who God is. And that is a good thing, my friend. Well, this is Don Noble of Pure Heart Ministries. You can go to www.pureheart.today and you can listen to these podcasts again. Now, we have had a problem that I just became aware of. We have had a problem and the um, podcasts for September, October are just getting uploaded in the next couple days. 
So if you've been wondering why you haven't been able to listen to those, um, there has been an issue in the transmission somehow. I don't know. I don't get all that stuff, but I'm just letting you know. But, um, hey, I look forward to being with you next week. And if you would uh, love to encourage me in this ministry, I'd love to hear from you. If you uh, would pray for this ministry, I would be eternally grateful because we need your prayers. And if you feel uh, like you'd like to help support this ministry, you can send your prayer, your encouragement, your finances to Pure Heart Ministries, P.O. Box 85, Valley Grove, West Virginia, 26060. That's Pure Heart Ministries, P.O. Box 85, Valley Grove, West Virginia, 26060. And we are also on at 11 p.m. Eastern Time on Monday nights. So you'll hear this broadcast on Monday nights at 8 p.m. and 11 p.m. So you can catch it 11 p.m. if you miss the 8 p.m. Well, I bless you, and I look forward to next week being with you. Shalom, shalom, peace be unto you.